Welcome to Hope Talks, Stories of Transformation. Hope Talks is a project of David's United Church of Christ in Canal Winchester, Ohio, and dedicated to providing stories with different perspectives of hope. This is Patty Houston Holm. My guest today is a longtime friend, Alan Johnson. He's a journalist and a theologian. Alan has a compelling story related to capital punishment. There is so much to unpack beyond those two words, capital punishment. Alan's years of witnessing legal injections, his doctoral research on forgiveness, a soon to be published book. So from my desktop studio in Canal Winchester, Ohio, to yours, Alan, about 25 minutes away in Gehanna, Ohio, welcome. Or should I call you Dr. Johnson? Well, thank you, Pat, but you don't have to call me Johnson. You can call me Johnson, but not Dr. Johnson, because you and my own kids won't have, won't call me Dr. Johnson. We've known each other a long time, and Alan is just fine. So tell me, um, you just got, I think in December of 2020, your PhD in, was it divinity or theology? Tell me about that. Well, it's in ministry, actually. Uh, I previously earned a uh, master's in uh, ministry from Ashland Theological Seminary. And then uh, last year, I finished my dissertation and was granted the doctoral degree in December. And they finally got me the all-important diploma piece of paper I uh, got a few weeks ago. So now it's official for what it's worth. Well, congratulations, Alan. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. So speaking of titles, uh, you were once known among our journalism friends at your, especially at your recent employer, the Columbus Dispatch, as Dr. Death. So you were actually a doctor before. So tell us about that a little bit. Well, um, I was at the Dispatch for, uh, let's see, 33 years, I guess. And during the last 20 or so of that, Ohio began um, uh, the process of, uh, of executing inmates again. And uh, the process would be if there was a local reporter on where the, uh, the prisoner was from, that newspaper or news organization would have a reporter. So I was on duty for that when it was a Franklin County inmate about to be executed, but also there would be other uh, times when I would fill in for other people who didn't want to do it or there wasn't a witness. So uh, my uh, friends in the journalism business who are, tend to be have a dark sense of humor began calling me Dr. Death because I had covered so many executions over a period of time. So that's how that rather odd uh, nickname came about. So how many did you cover total? Total, I covered 21 executions. 20 of them in person, and one of them, oddly enough, through a closed-circuit video connection. Uh, long story short, it was a serial killer named Alton Coleman. He was actually the first one I witnessed, and there were so many victim witnesses that they had to have a closed-circuit in-prison TV situation set up. So I witnessed it while watching it on a 25-inch screen in another part of the prison. But um, we, I did watch that execution. And then the next 20, uh, over, uh, I don't know, 18 years or so, were in person. So at one point, Alan, there were like 28 states in the United States who had uh, capital punishment. And at one point, I thought maybe you had witnessed more of those uh, than any other reporter. 
what can you tell me about that? Well, um, to the 28 is right. There still are 28 that have uh, capital punishment, including Ohio. We have capital punishment, although it hasn't been used for a number of years now because the governor is not too um, likely to approve it. And also because we don't have the appropriate uh, lethal injection drugs necessary. Um, I was far from the, the, the person who covered the most of them. There was a uh, a reporter in the state of Texas where they had very frequent executions who covered, I believe, more than 100. But certainly in the state of Ohio and maybe in a number of other states, I covered more than anyone else. It wasn't necessarily something I sought, but it was something that needed to be done and there needed to be a witness there. Uh, as it turned out, there was a witness in, in more than one sense of the word. So, you know, Alan, as reporters were kind of jaded we were calling you Dr. Death, and then at one point we called what you covered uh, legal murder. So, you know, but I've spoken to you uh, over the last two years, and I know there's a deeper transformation story with you than just covering uh, those as, as part of your news job. So what can you tell us about that story? Well, and just to backtrack a second, the reason that I've referred to it as legal murder is in Ohio anyway, I'm not sure about every state, but in Ohio, once an inmate is executed and they fill out the death certificate, the, list, the cause of death is homicide. So the state of Ohio conducts a legal homicide, a legal murder to um, execute inmates by lethal injection. So that's kind of where I pick up that. Um, I began over a period of time, I began being having pangs of conscience about conscience about not being more concerned about the fact that I was watching men die on a somewhat regular basis. And I had started going back to church again uh, at the Vineyard Columbus, a, a mega church, um, evangelical mega church in Columbus, and it began bothering me that it didn't bother me more what I was doing. So I think that was God talking to me and saying very gently that, um, you know, maybe it's something you should think about and maybe there's a purpose for you being there. So I had conversations with my pastor, uh, senior pastor, Rich Nathan at the time, and we talked about it. And uh, the real, the bottom line of that was that, that Rich's prayer and my prayer, and we kind of together concluded that there was a purpose for me being there as a witness for God, in addition to being a witness for the newspaper. In other words, there was a purpose for me watching the being someone being put to death, one of God's creatures put to death. And I think that was the beginning of my awakening, which then uh, soon led to my uh, being involved in uh, the seminary for my first few classes. So that's kind of where it started. And then things got more intense and more involved as I was into my seminary courses and finally into the doctoral uh, portion of the program where I focused on uh, the death penalty. So what about this theme of forgiveness? I mean, if I have a member of my family who's murdered by someone and they uh, are on death row and get a lethal injection, you know, where does my forgiveness come in? Well, this is the toughest part of the whole process. And 
as part of my dissertation, I did um, a survey, anonymous surveys of some inmates who had committed murder and some uh, victim family members who had a family member murdered. And I asked them a number of questions about how they felt about the death penalty and how they felt about um, you know, the, the person who committed the murder and so forth. And it wasn't a hard and fast conclusion because my numbers weren't as great as I would like. I didn't get a great cooperation as I would have hoped. But the people who obtained some measure of forgiveness for the person who committed the murder always felt better about their situation and about their life. Because the lack of forgiveness I found directly and indirectly through people I interviewed and through the survey, those who can't forget suffer the most. It's like something eating them up from the inside out. Uh, the death is painful, horrible, but their inability to forgive and you don't forgive and forget. I don't anyone want anyone to think you forget that loved one, but you forgive and you have to keep forgiving and keep forgiving and keep forgiving. And then you can move on in a better way than you could have uh, if you didn't forgive. So that's, it was kind of a theme of my dissertation. And hopefully as I move into the book phase of it, that I will be able to bring that across because there, there simply is no, closure as you hear about it from an execution. It will end the process of there being hearings and it will end the process of an execution and news stories, but there's no closure to losing a loved one to murder. It just doesn't happen that way. But does forgiveness help you with the closure? Absolutely. That's, again, I would like to, I wish I had bigger numbers in my survey because it showed that, but a I didn't have as many as I would like to, but those who had some ability to forgive were able to have more closure. They were able to deal with their life better, move on with their life. Those who, who couldn't do that or wouldn't do that had a lot more trouble. They, they were just, con it was like a scab that they were constantly picking at and reopening the wound over and over and over again. So the ability to forgive not forget, but forgive. And as I think they said in the Bible, how many times we should forgive? And Jesus said 70 times seven. So it's not one time, oh, you're forgiven, I'm moving on. It's a constant process of forgiveness. And you know, I wish I could say that if my loved one, God forbid, were to be a murder victim, that I would be able to do that. But it, Pat, it's incredibly hard, incredibly hard. And I've seen people struggle with it. And I've seen people have a measure of success. But in my opinion, it's really the only way you're able to live with losing a loved one to that horrible way. Wow, that's that's pretty powerful what you just shared, Alan. I really appreciate that. So I know writing for a newspaper is different than writing a dissertation or a thesis. And now you're working on a, a reader-friendly book on this same theme of forgiveness and hope and capital punishment and all that. So tell me a little bit about the book. I know it's not quite ready for release yet, but what can we expect with the book and when can we expect it? Well, hopefully I'll be able to wrap up the writing of it in six months and then we'll see uh, about the publication when that comes about. I'd hope it'd be out there in about a year. Uh, and yes, in terms of different styles of writing, there's now three different styles of writing. First, I had my journalistic style 
And then I went to academics and I had late in life, I didn't enroll in seminary till I was 57 or something. Uh, and the academic writing was very stifling, I found, unfortunately. Um, eventually, I, I, I was allowed to have my own voice because I had a very good, compassionate, understanding, aggressive advisor who fought for me. But the academic style was, was just a little bit too stuffy, a little bit too buttoned down, and I did struggle with it. But um, I made it through that, and the dissertation is, well, it is what it is. It's, I think it's pretty good. And Pat, you know you helped me a little bit with the editing on it. You know that it's decent, but it's not as strong as I would have liked it. So now we're into the third phase where I'm taking the dissertation, my journalism, and then trying to make it into a readable, uh, hopefully message-laden uh, uh, book about both my journey into uh, theology and my journey into um, covering the death penalty and how I've ended up where I am. Uh, and that requires a kind of a combination of the storytelling that I learned from journalism and then putting in a, a message because that's something you don't particularly do, as you know, from journalism. You don't have a point of view or you try not to. You don't have... Um, you don't have something to sell or an angle to push. You're just writing the facts and putting a story out there. But now I'm telling a story that I think has an important message. And so I've got come upon kind of a third style of writing that, that's a little bit different and a little more challenging, but I think it's rewarding. I probably have 13 or 14 chapters pretty well underway now. And it goes from the beginning when I first covered capital punishment all up until this point where I've been retired for three years, but uh, still dealing with that subject. And, and as you said, the topic of forgiveness. Any idea when it might come out so that we can purchase that book? I'd like to say I know, but I don't. <laughs> um, I do have a, a, a colleague who I've known for many years ago has recommended an agent to me that's uh, going to be looking at it and hopefully find a publisher for it. But Basically, um, I wasn't entirely comfortable with this, but it was recommended and I finally came around. It's kind of the story of my journey from being a journalist to being a journalist who had a conviction and had some uh, uh, conscience issues and then uh, how I went to school and how I went to seminary and learned a little bit more. And I realized, Pat, that there was a purpose and it wasn't just something I made up that God wanted me there in those dual roles, which, you know, are pretty unusual, being a journalist and being a theologian, he wanted me there as a witness for him. And he wanted me, I think he wanted me to go to school in the first place to do what I'm doing now. I mean, I, I fought with God about it. And you know how that goes. You never win and you shouldn't win. <laughs> but he wanted me to get this education. He wanted me to end up where I am now. And to write a book to say, here's what I experienced. And maybe here's some lessons that people can take away from it if they've had to deal with that horrible uh, tragedy in their own lives. So I suppose none of us, uh, including you with all of this, will ever know how much we impact others', others lives, but I feel that this book uh, will have a really strong impact. So, and also I wanted to mention a friend that you uh, brought into my life that I've met virtually, Andrea, uh, who worked in the prison system. And I really appreciated 
the connection the three of us had as Christians, uh, as well as as communicators and writers, that was pretty rewarding. Well, Andrea Dean Carson is uh, she. I knew her as the public information officer for the state prison department, and I knew her even more importantly as a person who stood next to me in many situations in the death house where executions take place and witness the executions as I witnessed them. In fact, I believe she may have even seen well as many or if not more than I did. So we shared that as a bond that I guess not many people have. And then later after retirement, we both kind of explored a little bit about our Christianity. And I asked her to be what's known in the dissertation writing area as a field consultant. And she provided a very uh, great deal of help uh, in help guiding me along the way and giving me her insights, um, as did you. You played a big role in that and giving me some inspiration for writing a couple uh, directions for a couple of chapters that I think really turned out to be very uh, evocative and very emotional and I hope inspiring. So I need to thank you and as well as Andrea, um, both of you were vital to me being able to complete that. Well, I think Andrea and I feel um honored to be part of this journey with you. Um, I'm thinking about hope and I'm also thinking about uh, you're working on the book and you're also working part-time for uh, a Central Ohio Mental Health Association. Uh, I, I wondered if you could give some final thoughts about uh, where you are with your part-time job and anything else about hope. Well, once I retired from the newspaper business in 2017, uh, Terry Russell, who's the head of the National Alliance on Mental Illness Ohio, and who I dealt with for many years, he asked if I would be interested in working with them on a contract basis to write newsletters and stories about mental illness and, and about people in trouble and about how we can provide help to them. And so I did that, and I've been working with them for three plus years now. And I wrote a lot about mental illness and developmental disabilities as a reporter but I have learned a hundredfold more uh, in the three years I've worked with them about mental illness than I did in all the times I covered it as a reporter. And I've, I've really embraced it as something that's important to me personally. You know, I've experienced mental health issues in my own life, uh, in the life of family members. And I also see so much so that it's, it's an illness. It's not something, there's no stigma to it or should not be. It's just something that people have, like you have uh, heart disease or you have diabetes or you have cancer. You also have mental illness and people need to understand that. And I've been trying really hard to write people-centered stories for NAMI Ohio that uh, allows people to understand that there is hope. There is, you know, it, a, 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 having mental illness isn't a sentence and you have to be shunned away and put in a hospital or at be you know stared at. It's just an illness that there's ways to take care of if you're willing to come forward, ask for help, and get help. So it's been really good. In addition to the fact that you know I'm employed, which is helpful as a retiree, it's just it's just a great area. Uh, again, I think God blessed me to to put me in a place where I could continue writing, which I love, and I could uh, you know hopefully help people a little bit by shining a light on, on mental illness and what to do about it and how it affects people. So uh, I'm blessed to be able to do that. 
And you're telling their stories like we're telling yours. Yes, and it's great to do that. I'm just having, you know, we're having conversations now about uh, rehabilitation centers where people come out of state hospitals, mental health hospitals, and often they had nowhere to go. And so right now the, they're working to try and have step-down units where people who come out of hospitals but aren't ready to go into the community can stay for, you know, six months or three months. And that is to avoid all the people who are homeless, who have drug issues, who are out there on the streets and in the shelters and in the prisons. And it's just, it's very, it's a very good thing to see the mental health system responding as it is. And I'm blessed to be a part of it. Alan, I wanna thank you so much for sharing with us today. We have so much more we could talk about, but uh, I'm gonna wrap us up. And again, I appreciate you being part of this podcast. Well, thank you. I, I can never call you Patty. I know that's what other people do, but you're always Pat to me for when we worked together X number of years ago. See, I won't even discuss how many years ago it was. And I, I always have to call you Alan and not Dr. Johnson or even, <laughs> even Dr. Death. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, uh, Dr. Johnson is nice on a piece of paper, but still Alan. Wonderful. So I'm Patty Houston Holm or Pat. My conversation today has been with Alan Johnson or Dr. Alan Johnson. He's a journalist, a graduate in theology and divinity, an author coming to us about the topic of capital punishment uh, from a new dimension of forgiveness and Christianity. If you have a comment about this podcast or an idea for a future podcast or a story of transformation, please send us an email at hopetalks at davidsucc.net. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to this segment of Hope Talks. I hope you join us again. And please encourage others to listen and check out other David's United Church of Christ programs at davidsucc.net. It is our hope that your day is filled with hope. Thank you.